table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. where we find peace and we laugh till it hurts the table is where we gather with family new and old to share stories to nourish our bodies to enrich our souls The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. Good morning, church. Hey, thank you for being here this morning. It's a great day to worship God together. Amen. Uh, We've already had a great time together this morning. We'll dig into the Word of God in just a moment, uh, but share with one another in this journey together to encourage one another as we do every Sunday morning. Thanks for being here today. I want to say a special welcome to our guests that are here as well. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our service here at Cross Point. And our hope is that you'll jump into the story of God with us. We've all made a decision to live that ignited lifestyle to say, God, use me in your story how you see fit. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so we want you to join us in that story to tell the story of hope to all those around who would hear the message of Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I hope you've got your Bibles. We'll turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments to kind of pick apart some uh, words that Paul said to that church in Thessalonica. We'll be there in just a little bit. Text will be on the screen, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation when we do get there. A couple things I want to mention before we move into the text, though, this morning. One is uh, next Sunday, December 4th, is Baptism Sunday. Now, you can be baptized any day of the week you'd want to be, any time of the day for that matter. But I know that there are some of us in our audience who are on the fence. They know that they need to, to take that next step to make that public proclamation that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but for whatever reason, you've just been waiting on a special moment, and this is that special moment for you. We'd love to to help you celebrate that moment next Sunday. What a great way, a great gift for yourself to move into the holiday season knowing that you've given yourself fully to Jesus Christ. Uh, So if you're thinking about that for next Sunday, let me know, a staff member know, one of our shepherds, call the church office just so we can make sure we have everything in place uh, to make your day as special as it possibly can be. We also want to remind you that next week we'll start a brand new sermon series called The Gifts of Christmas, and uh, it'll be a five-week series, but uh, you'll want to invite your friends uh, to this series that's going to be happening here. We'll have a lot of decoration here in our building uh, as we move toward Christmas, and by the way, Christmas Day is on Sunday this year, 
that's going to be a very special day for us. We'll have one service that day at 1030, uh, and we want you to be here. We want your, to invite your friends and family to that uh, as well. But there are some professional cards that we've made up out on the welcome area. Uh, grab three or four, ten of those, whatever you need to give out to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and invite them to this process we're going to go through over this Christmas season right here at Cross Point. Well, we're going to dig into our, our sermon this morning, but I want to remind us, too, the, the, uh, the letter to the church at Thessalonica was written by Paul in about 50 A.D., uh, and he was, at the time, living in Corinth, and he sent Timothy with this letter up to the church. He was a little worried about that church because it was fairly new. You can see how he interacted and started that group in uh, Acts chapter 17, uh, but uh, he was anxious to hear how the church was doing, this very young church. And Timothy reports back that uh, they had great faith that they were moving as Christ in their community. They had a lot of joy in their life. And Paul was very excited about that. And so this letter, First uh, Thessalonians, is, uh, is, is just a letter to, to talk about the joy that he has in knowing how they're living out their Christian life in Thessalonica. And we find over and over again when we read these texts, these ancient texts, these letters to that first century church, that as we read through those, we also get feedback. We also get some practical application for our own life that we can live out each and every day. These first century Christians were asking questions like, what's my purpose? What should I be doing? What's, what's the will of God in my life? What does that look like? Uh, you and I have those same types of questions in our life. We, we wonder, should I go out with her? She's asking, should I accept that date from him? Should I buy this house or wait and rent for a while? Should I buy that car or this car? Should I get involved in this ministry or should I start something brand new? Should I go on this mission trip? Should I root for this team or another team? We go back and forth on what God's will is in our life. And sometimes we resort to some things that our societies kind of put in place. Uh, for instance, uh, you may uh, have that fortune cookie that you crack, crack open and try to discover what some information might be in there. How many have ever eaten a fortune cookie? How many have found a, a note in there and you thought, that's pretty applicable. I'm going to put that in my wallet or my purse. Hung on to that for a little while. You know, the most uh, asked question of Siri is, what is the purpose of life? That's an, that's an interesting process as we go through as human beings. Some of us who are old school may have even asked the magic eight ball. <laughs> Any, anybody ever done that? Ask the magic eight ball a question? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Kale and put Kale on the spot here. Kale, what's the question you'd like to ask the eight ball? Will the sermon today be short? <laughs> Well, the eight ball says yes, but I will tell you what's wrong. <laughs> uh, one more question. How about Mickey? Got a question for me? Yes. Are the Cowboys going to win today? Oh, the Cowboys going to win today. It says, as I see it, yes. Go Cowboys! Ooh, there we go. But you know, you kind of interact in different ways in life, trying to figure out what is the purpose of life? What should I be doing in life? And you, you and I delve into life's more serious questions uh, as well. And we really want to know how we're to live the life that God has given us. I want to look at our text as we kind of jumpstart this morning. 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5. Now understand that Paul has built up to this and he's really admiring the church. He's thanking the church for the joy they have in Christ and how they're living that out. And he's got some reminders for their purpose right now as they live life out. And he says in chapter uh, 5 and verse 16 beginning, Paul says, always be joyful, never stop praying, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Paul wants to kind of sum up what our life should look like as Christian folks. And you can find some variety of that all through the New Testament. We've been talking about living an ignited lifestyle this whole year. Uh, And it won't stop once the year is over. We still want to do that. But we have been called to be very different than the world around us. To really exemplify kind of this spirit of life and joy and happiness and thankfulness in our life. Paul reminds that first century church that's the type of life they're called to live. And in doing so, he also reminds us of that type of life that we're called to be living. Well, this morning, I want to take just a few minutes and kind of pick apart verse 18, if you will, as we're here in this Thanksgiving week, and most of us will be gathered around a table, as Cale said, this Thursday with friends, family, uh, and, and other uh, emblems around the table and food on the table. It'll be an exciting time to be together. But Paul says, he starts out here in verse 18, and he says, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, thanks is almost always going to cost you something. You ever thought about that? It's something that you give someone else. You give thanks to God. You give thanks to your spouse, your kids. The list goes on and on of things that we've got to be very intentional about as we live life out. We've got to be very purposeful as we think about and live a life that's one of thanksgiving, one that is very grateful. Some of us interact with folks in our life who have a very beaming personality. They're very thankful. It's almost like they're floating across the the floor, right? I mean, they're just this exciting person, and they're always smiling. You may look at that kind of personality and you think, well, that's that's not how I'm wired. That may be how they're wired, but the truth is I've kind of gotten a little cynical, if I were to be honest. I see life through real glasses, not the idyllic ones. We tend to see things in this regard as the way we're wired or the way we're not wired. But contentment and thanksgiving are learned things, learned behaviors. We can see that very early in life. I mean, what two-year-old doesn't say, mine, mine, mine. (laughs) This belongs to me. I'm not going to share this with anybody. It's a learned behavior to be content to be thankful. And the more we look at life through that lens, though, the more we kind of naturally are inclined to live that kind of lifestyle. We've got to start out very purposeful, very intentional as we live that grateful lifestyle, as we live a very thankful lifestyle. It's no secret that the Courtwrights lived with us uh, three months this year, and uh, we got to see them interact with their two boys, uh, Jackson and Stephen, a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. We got to see Jackson walk in our house for the first time. That was exciting. Uh, and then up and down the stairs, and mom and dad were chasing him up and down the stairs. It was great. But they also were, 
realizing that Jackson couldn't yet talk. And so they taught some sign language to him uh, if, uh, if they were going to communicate at all. And so I remember those meals, uh, lunches and dinners, we'd be sitting there, he'd be in his high chair. This guy loves fruit. Jackson loves fruit, and especially watermelon. I would forget that at times. But they taught Jackson the word, the sign language word for more. Everybody do this with me. This is the sign language for more. I want more. Oh, Tim would forget that during the hot summer, and I'd get that bowl of watermelon out. He loves watermelon. And I would get it out, and Savannah would go, Tim... And he would be sitting in his high chair looking at me going. (laughs) We could cut an entire watermelon. That kid could demolish it. It's pretty easy to do more for a kid. Because it really is about getting. I want some more. Now the other word that they taught him. They taught him some others. But the one I want to focus on today too is this idea of thank you. Everybody do this. Thank you. A sign language for thank you. And so they were teaching Jackson that as well. When they would give him something, he would say the word, thank you. That's really tough when you think about those two words. More is about getting. Thank you is really about giving. It's actually implied in the word thanksgiving, if you think about it. Thanksgiving. We're going to be intentional about that. We're going to give something away. We're going to admonish someone and build them up. It's intentional and on purpose. And what we discover along the way is that we're called to live this life of thanksgiving. Not only to God, but to all those around us who make our life better and deeper and and more endeared. And when we make a decision to live a very thankful and grateful lifestyle, it comes back to us multiple times. There were a couple of professors at the University of California who did a research project. Uh, They... uh, put their findings uh, from the experiment in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It was very interesting what they decided to do. They, they divided up their, their students into two different groups. And one particular group uh, was, uh, well, actually both groups would be journaling for 10 weeks, I should say that. And one particular group, they wrote down everything that they were thankful for, the things that they saw in life each and every day that they could say, oh, that's a grateful moment, that's a blessing moment, that's an exciting moment. And they would jot all that down. For 10 weeks, they did this. The other group were also journaling, but they wrote down everything that annoyed them, everything that was not good. I mean, the things that they could complain about, could gripe about, they wrote all of that stuff down. And at the end of 10 weeks, they did some analyzing and and looking at what what was going on and what was recorded. What what they discovered with the the group that wrote down the blessings and kind of looking for thankful things, grateful things in life, is they had less stress in their life than the other group. They had less, um, they had better better sleep in their life. Uh, There was less complication with relationships in their life. They were significantly less depressed. Doctors found that there was an increased blood flow to the hypothalamus of the brain, and the hypothalamus uh, controls stress levels, metabolism, and sleep. All of these things kind of came together to physically make different the group that was actually living out this lifestyle of gratefulness, of thankfulness. They also discovered that it affected greatly the relationships they had in their life, in both. With those that were looking for a grateful lifestyle and and writing down all the blessings, their, their relationships became deeper and more enriched. It was just the opposite 
for the other group. What they found in this, this group that was writing down all the blessings was if you, if you said thank you, it was more likely that the person you said thank you to would do whatever they were doing again more readily. For instance, if you went up to someone and asked for directions somewhere, they gave you the directions and you told them thank you in a very genuine uh, mood, it was more likely that the next time someone asked them directions, they would be more readily involved and readily uh, to, to give that information. Same, same thing with servers in a restaurant. If they write thank you on their ticket, it was more likely they would get a little bigger tip. For those of us that are husbands, wives, when the husbands washed the dishes and the wife said thank you, it was more likely he would wash the dishes again. Wives, you need to hear that. Get them to work. It's like making an investment. When you live the life that God's called us to do in the relationships that we have, it's like making an emotional investment in the relationships and the people that you interact with. And there is great return on your investment. Out of both groups, it was interesting, too, because they went back and they surveyed them uh, several weeks later. And although the experiment was over, it only lasted 10 weeks. What the professors found in both groups was that if you kind of lived this blessing lifestyle, you kind of were writing things down, even weeks later, you were still in that mode. You were still doing that. But equally so was true for those that were looking for things that annoyed them, that they could complain about. Even after the experiment was over, they were still dismal and not happy. It was interesting. But Paul says and reminds us that we're to give thanks in our life. But then he goes on in that same sentence and he says, but give thanks in all circumstances, in everything that happens in your life. We, we tend to think that thankfulness is dependent on our circumstances, don't we? What we have in life would make us very excited, very happy, or the lack of those things would make us uh, more depressed and, and not happy in life. What we tend to think is, is abundance plus Comfort in that abundant lifestyle would equal a life of thanksgiving. That those two things combined would lead to a life of folks who are very excited, very happy, very joyful in life. That I would be even more thankful if those two things coincided. But the truth is, it seems that abundance is really an enemy of gratitude. I remember in 1979 when my family moved to Vanuatu, an island in the South Pacific. We went there to, to establish and start the church. And when we got off that airplane, no one cared that we were even there. There was no one to greet us. There was no one excited that we were there. We were the first folks on the ground, five of us. My mom, my dad, and the three kiddos. And at the time, I was in the fifth and sixth grade. We lived in a hotel for a little while, then we finally found an apartment. Dad had an office downtown, Port Vila, and that's where we met for church services every Sunday morning. We were there for only a year, but it felt like an eternity. Because we had come from this, abundance, excitement, comfort. And now it was just the five of us for a whole year, worshiping together. Dad would bring the message And the three boys would pass the plates and offer prayers and lead some singing. And I remember, even as a young boy, 
longing to sneak into the back of a church building and sit on the back row and just absorb the singing, just to see the fellowship and the camaraderie. We had forgotten what we were blessed with until we found ourselves in a place where there was no abundance, where there was no excitement for being someone called by God. The truth is, is abundance plus comfort really equals discontent if we're not careful. That's where we can end up in this life that Paul is calling us to, to always be thankful in all circumstances. That we can kind of become laissez-faire about that type of lifestyle if we find ourselves and are not intentional about living a grateful lifestyle. And we look at that scenario, that abundance plus comfort and discontent, but you look at the state of our nation, and are we surprised? This recent election has revealed a whole lot of discontent in our nation, although we are the wealthiest nation on the planet. We're rich in every facet of life, and yet it just doesn't seem to be enough. That really the formula could read abundance plus comfort equals entitlement. That I am owed something in life. We have become so blessed and have so much, we we ponder then for what we don't have and how we can attain that as well. The problem is, is that when we work for those other things that we don't have, once we get there, instead of being thankful in the moment, we generally have a spirit of, well, it's about time. Instead of living that beautiful life that God's called us to, that grateful and thankful life of following him. You've experienced this in your life with your own kids, with your grandkids. I remember when our boys were very young. And we would gather uh, to put them to bed, and we would have a small devotional at their bedside, and we would pray with them. They would remind me about this idea of living a thankful lifestyle. Because the things that I had abundantly, the things that I took for granted, they did not. And you've heard these kind of prayers before, where they would say, God, thank you for the grass. Thanks for the trees. Thank you for my friend down the street. Thank you for a bicycle. All the little things that we take for granted, they did not. And it would remind me to be living in this thankful lifestyle. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves with abundance and and deep comfort in that abundance. leads to entitlement, and when we don't get what we want in that entitlement stage, it can lead to complaining. And then we live this life of complaint. One of the greatest examples I see in that each and every day, I I do a fair share of flying, not as much as many of you, but you've probably seen this at an airport as well, people complaining. I mean, the plane is 30 minutes late, or it's 30 minutes, you know, not leaving on time, or the seats are too close, or the stewardess didn't see me with my hand up and bring me my drink on time. The list goes on and on and on, or maybe we're griping about the price of coffee at an airport, I don't know. Could be any number of things. But have you ever thought about, you and I are flying. It's pretty impressive. We get to go from point A to point B in no amount of time. Think about the days of the Conestoga wagon. (laughs) Or the old days when we all piled into the car and drove those distances. 
We get so much blessing in life, and we overlook that because we have abundance and comfort. And Paul calls us back to the reality of living an ignited lifestyle to say, I want you to understand how blessed you are and to live that type of thankful and grateful life. And Paul in his text really calls us then to recenter our life as Jesus followers. He says one way you can do that is just by singing, just letting folks know around you how excited you are about following a risen Savior, about a God who loves you and pursued you to the ends of the earth, who gave his son on the cross, and through that sacrifice, you and I get to have a relationship with him again. And the psalmist said in 147, in verse 7, sing out your thanks to the Lord. He says, sing, and sometimes at a a red light, folks look kind of odd at me because I'm in my car by myself, singing out the top of my lungs because I'm excited. I love the fact that my God loves me, and I want him to know that. Or a different way that we can come about being this thankful person, this living this life of gratitude is really just serving other people. That's what Jesus Christ did. We're called to imitate him in our life. And Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. He says, whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve other people. It's amazing over my life in ministry, even in this congregation, people come to me and they're like, I'm just not happy. I just don't feel like I'm connecting. I don't feel like um, maybe, maybe we need to find another church. And one of the first questions I'll always ask is, where are you serving in the kingdom? And generally speaking, the folks who are not happy say, well, my schedule's too busy. I, I haven't really been able to get plugged in. You see, what we find is that when we fulfill our purpose, when we begin to serve those around us, we lose track of how unhappy we are. Because we're living that life of gratitude. We're serving other people and serving God in the process. And scripture also tells us a way that you can be thankful is just through giving. The psalmist says in chapter 50, verses 14, he says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. We're called to give back to God. Certainly a piece of that is the monetary thing because that kind of helps move the word of God through our community and the world. But you have to ask yourself, what am I giving of myself to telling that story? What ministry am I involved in? What what gift set do I have that I can offer the kingdom? I think the Bible calls us to be a singing people, to be a serving people, to be a giving people to all those around us. And the final piece of that text I want to look at this morning in verse 18 is that Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. In. It's an interesting word, in. We typically use the word for as we're talking about being grateful. I'm grateful for pizza. (laughs) I'm grateful for the weekend. I'm grateful for my wife or my husband, my kids, my job. I'm grateful for fill in the blank. We're always grateful for things and stuff happening in life. I'm grateful for the birth. I'm grateful for the marriage. 
I'm grateful for my friends and our moments that we have together. Nothing wrong with that word at all, but it certainly limits us in our life to what we can be thankful for, right? Because generally that's really good stuff that's happening. I mean, we we wouldn't say that we're thankful for cancer. We wouldn't say that we're thankful for divorce, that we're thankful for infant death, that we're thankful for the racial divide that exists in our country, that we're thankful for the violence that happens in major cities throughout our country, that we're thankful for the thousands of children who die every day in Africa because they just don't have enough to eat. And this week, we'll throw away plates of food. We would never say we're thankful for those things, but we can say that we're thankful in those things. Why? Because my faith is turned toward the great God above. That's what I'm thankful in. I'm not happy sometimes the way life works out. I'm not happy at the curveball that Satan throws our way at times. But even in those moments, the good and the bad, I can be thankful in those circumstances because God loves me. And I love him, that God has blessed me in so many different ways. I can be thankful even in the tough moments of life. I can be grateful. Because at the end of the day, what I know is that God has a greater purpose for what's happening in my life. And many times I don't see that picture. He knows what it is, and so I'm going to have faith in him. That even in those tough moments, I'm going to lean even further into him. We used this text last week, but... What does Paul say in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. No matter what's going on in your life, that God is working in the moment. And we can be grateful that he loves us that much to be working even in the moment. Oh, I can live a grateful lifestyle. I can give thanks because he can work in me in those moments to grow me, to mature me, to make me everything that I've been created to be. I can give thanks in those moments because I know that he has given me the power that I may overcome whatever Satan is throwing my way, that I can experience the peace that passes all understanding because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's yours too. That I can give thanks in the moment because he gave his son on a cross so that I might be saved. Which was stated earlier that his grace even reaches me in my dilemma, in my sin. He loves me just that much. Paul calls us to live this, this thankful lifestyle. This lifestyle of gratitude. There are folks in our life who help us live that out. And sometimes we don't speak to them, we we don't offer to them on an everyday basis that thank you. This morning is an opportunity for you to do that. And you'll notice on the chair in front of you there is a thank you card. We're asking one per family. If you want more than that, there are plenty up here on the stage to come grab an extra one. But my guess is in your life, just like mine, there are people that I am so appreciative of that, that I just fail to say thank you to. Maybe it's your kid's teacher at their school. Maybe it's the crossing guard that helps those kids get across our busy streets. Maybe it's the cashier at the the grocery store that you go to often 
It's always got a smile on his or her face. Maybe it's your spouse that you take for granted. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your mom and dad. It could be anybody in the world. It could be that policeman that you see out running his beat. It's our opportunity to say, I'm going to live this grateful lifestyle. And this week, I've been tasked by telling someone how thankful I am for them that I really don't get to do that very often. And I'm going to be intentional and purposeful about that. And so this morning, I'm asking you this week sometime to reach out to that person in your life that you tend to neglect, that you don't tell often enough how grateful you are that they are a part of your world. It's our opportunity to do that. But beyond that, the call this week is to recenter yourself and to live a life, even in our abundance and comfort, where we are looking to God and saying, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Thanks for loving me so much that you sent your son for me. Help me to have the power to live a life that gives you glory in every single thing that I do. I'm going to ask Brad and the praise team to come back to the stage at this time. Uh, And our shepherds will be uh, around the wall of this room. And as we sing this song, maybe there's something in your life that's preventing you from being truly thankful Uh, Go to one of our shepherds, let them pray for you, let them pray over you, let them lay hands on you, just so you can move through and, and power through to become everything that God's called you to be in your life, that you can live truly that thankful life, even in hard, tough times, that you can remember at the end of the day the story that's unfolding for you, and that is a home forever with our creator. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? It's going to be a great day. Maranatha, God, come quickly. I want that to happen. My hope is for you that the Spirit will infuse you this week, that you'll bless all those you come in contact with, and that you'll remind everyone of the lifestyle that you're called to live in gratitude to God. Let's stand and sing together.